0: I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally.
1: Hey guys, it's Josiah. And before we dive into today's episode, I want to share an exciting update with our Young Adults Today fan. Here's the thing. Everything we do with Young Adults Today, whether it's a podcast, books, resources, conference, content, is centered around the heart of Christ, and really three things. The first is building relationships that can last a lifetime. The second is creating resources that are useful. And the third is to create rallying points that are catalytic for leaders and ministries to reach the next generation as we make disciples. So we have a prayer and a goal to take everything we're doing to the next level. And that is is an invitation to you to join our Patreon. Patreon allows you and us to partner together for the kingdom of God and the heart of Christ to grow young adults today. You can find out more and jump on board by visiting patreon.com slash today. Thanks so much, and here's for today's episode.
0: Welcome to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching the next generation in our world today. I'm Micah Keneally.
1: And I'm Josiah Keneally, and we are your hosts
0: and we just want to say thank you so much for tuning in to young adults today. Um you can look for new episodes every Monday. If you are new just tuning in, how can you get connected? How can you stay connected? Check us out when we kick off every single Monday. Monday. Uh so thank you for rating, subscribing, reviewing and sharing and this just helps us get this information and some of our favorite guests into the ears and the hearts and just the day of the listeners. So thank you for um tuning in. If you want to know more, check us out at youngadults.today.
1: And joining us today is a good friend of ours. And when you talk with this guest, you're going places. That's for sure. So we're going to talk about biblical literacy and the Mm -hmm. faith of the next generation with our friend,
2: Zach. Wendell, Zach, how are you? Hey, I'm so good. Thank you so much for letting me be on here. It's an honor. You guys are the best. I love what you're doing. Well,
1: it's exciting to spend time together. And if you're Mm -hmm. newer to finding out about Zach Windahl, he is the author of a number of books, including The Bible Study and Launch With God. He's also Mm -hmm. the founder of the brand Sunday. And like I mentioned in the intro, we are going to have a conversation about the faith Mm -hmm. of the next generation. A big part of that is biblical literacy. And with us, we've got, we've each got one of them. Aren't
2: they beautiful?
1: Let's go. (laughs) We got, you. If you're watching on YouTube, you'll see what we've got here yep. is a couple of the, the New Testament and the Old Testament Bible mm-hmm. study by mm-hmm. Zach. And uh, if you're listening, it's definitely something that you want to check out is the Bible study mm-hmm. in Zach. I we want to talk about your story in just a second, but I remember I bet it was 2017. Yeah. We had both just come out with books, and yes. uh, we met up at a coffee shop in Eden Prairie that I think was a Dunn Brothers that yep. might be a coffee shop now, formerly known as Dunn Brothers. But it is uh, yes. I think I'm. I think we're holding one of the first mm-hmm. copies of the Bible study, which oh you my generously gave to us then, but. I mean, I just, it's been a journey since then, but
2: yes, what a, what a fun, that, that fun thing's deal. a relic. <laughs> <laughs> you could, you could, you could sell that thing. There's been changed multiple times since then, but yeah, so, so cool. I loved that we were able to get together a few years back and, and just kind of see each other grow since then. It's been super cool, super encouraging. And so um, I'm, I'm uh, cheering you guys on from the sidelines. That's for sure. Well, you further
1: than us by all means. Like you're in another stratosphere mm-hmm. with books and publishing no. and resourcing young leaders and mm-hmm. the kingdom of God. But can we dive into your story? Are you willing to share maybe just some of your yeah. journey of life? Now getting married and all things.
2: Yeah, one hundred percent. So, um, yeah, I guess I kind of it got to go back to the beginning. So I was born and raised in Minnesota. Um, my Childhood was very unique compared to most people's. So when I was four years old, my mom was diagnosed with stage four ovarian cancer, um, and was sent home with a 5% chance to live. Um, And she ended up being healed from that. And uh, from there, she had colon cancer with three quarters of her colon removed, healed from that. She had a tumor around her sciatic nerve was healed from that. And then when I was 15, she had breast cancer, double mastectomy, reconstruction, the whole deal. So literally from four to 15 for 11 years, I'm seeing my mom pretty much on her deathbed and, and not knowing what the future was going to look like. But the most incredible thing was she always said, Zach, every single day, is a gift from God. Things could be so much worse. I could not be here right now. So you need to be grateful for what you do have because that's what's gonna take you to next levels. And so my entire childhood was that. And that's I feel like that's pretty unique compared to to most kids. Um, So I saw God healing. I saw him working in miraculous ways uh, constantly um, and just really appreciating every single day, everything that came my way. Um, and even though I saw that I, I still struggled with my faith a little bit, especially once I got to college, um, just kind of figuring out what my role was. I think, I think a lot of people do once they hit college, they're like, okay, I grew up with my parents' faith, but what's my faith looking like? How do, how do I live this out? Um, the way that, the way that God has plans for me. And so when I hit college, I fell away, uh, for years and, uh, really kind of went a different direction. Um, and then when I was 24 or actually, no, 26 in, in, uh, 2014, I hit a spot where I was like, all right, God, I'm going to give you two years. Like I need you to prove that you're real. Otherwise, like I'm done completely. Um, I just didn't want to be associated with it any, anymore. And I ended up, um, Reading the Bible in ninety days, because uh, I was like, if I'm if I'm going to consider myself a Christian, I need to know the Bible. Mm-hmm. You look at every other uh, religious group in the world, and they know their holy books like the back of their hand. Even even in Judaism, like kids used to have to have the entire first 5 books of our bible completely memorized and if you continued on with your um with your rabbi over the years you'd have to memorize the entire old testament which is like unheard of we're over here like struggling memorizing four verses like john 316 this I, like everybody knows that but what's what's john 317 like you know and so i was really struggling with that looking at how um in america there's so much of, uh, um, relaxed nature towards, um, towards faith where a lot of people don't take it super seriously. They just go to church and, and it doesn't influence their life a lot. And so I was like, man, I'm, I'm going all in to, uh, if, if I want this to, um, be, something that I'm about. And so I moved out to Australia actually. And I, because where else would I move? And (laughs) so I went, (laughs) I went out there to study the Bible for 12 hours a day, six days a week, super intensive. Um, just to, just to really dive into the word we'd study every book of the Bible five times through. And so if it was like, like Genesis week, for instance, we'd legit read Genesis five times over the course of six days, and write kind of our own commentary on it. And so that whole experience completely changed my life. From there, I was like, yo, I'm all in. Let's do this. I I feel a calling on my life to um, help other people grow in their relationship with God and, and make the Bible less intimidating.
0: That's incredible. Like one thing that I'm just hearing you say without saying it is that you were very disciplined to understand Mm. the word of God and to make your faith your own in the process of study, 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 study. And not like yeah. you said, like not just five verses, but we're going to study the same book five times. And yeah. I think I've been guilty of this too. I'm just like, I wish I knew more Bible. I wish I knew instead of saying somewhere in John, I think this sort of says that it's like, no, yeah. I, as a true believer of Jesus Christ should be able to say John 3, 16 through whatever, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I can do it. And I know what 17 says, you know, yeah, and yeah. to not stop there. And we know that you took that amazing trip and you were, you were studying the word of God very intensely. Um, maybe just take us one step deeper. Like what led you to truly like write the Bible study that you had written? Cause it's the Bible study, a one-year yeah. study of the Bible and how it relates to you. So for yeah. the person who may be in the same place you were in four plus years ago, could you just share, like, what were you going through in your mind, your heart, your soul? Like what was God revealing to you during that season of writing the Bible study?
2: Yeah, totally. I think especially for people that grew up in the church, we look at the Bible as what? Boring, intimidating, overwhelming. We don't know where to start. And especially new believers, they're like, "Yo, this book is massive and I read like this weird chapter in Leviticus and I don't know how that relates to Jesus at all. Like, am I allowed to eat cheeseburgers or not?" Right. And so so I think I think over the course of uh, my time out in Australia, I was able to have all of this content that I put together, and and I was approaching my time out there really from the perspective of okay, if I'm a new believer, like I'm 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 going at this as if I don't know anything, like I wanna I wanna figure out the basics from the ground and then work my way up, and I think a lot of people just need to have their hand held through the process. And I think in the church today, which is also why a lot of people are leaving the church today is because of like Christian ease and just Christian answers to things. Mm-hmm. And That wasn't good enough for me. And so when it came to developing the Bible study, I wanted to know why we believe these things and where they come from. I don't want any cliche responses. I want to know truth. And so with the Bible study, I had all these notes when I got home. Uh, I had 20 to 30 pages on every book of the Bible and From there, I I was working a job that allowed me to also spend a lot of time um, working on my own things. It just gave me a lot of flexibility. And I I took down all those notes and I took out my views on a lot of things and made it very even across the, the board so that if you're... Somebody that grew up Baptist, or somebody that's Pentecostal, or somebody that's Catholic, anybody can gain some sort of wisdom from it because it's not necessarily a commentary. From my perspective, it's literally you're reading the entire Bible over the course of a year and I'm just helping you and I'm prompting some questions so that you can be like, oh, okay, that's how that's how this book relates to my life. That's how this plays into the big picture of the Bible, because once you understand the big picture and how each book relates to it, that's when your faith actually becomes real, in my opinion. No kidding, Zach. And uh,
1: I think that when we look at this generation and ones that are coming younger generations, they are asking questions that entire generations ahead of us didn't see coming. And what I mean is like, it's, it wasn't one set of parents or one pastor or one group of churches that didn't expect maybe some of the questions, hard questions to be asked, it was entire generations of leadership that just never saw these questions as pressing or maybe Mm -hmm. they weren't addressed in their own lives. And so now younger generations are asking questions like you did, like we are, Mm -hmm. and they're having conversations like this one today about Mm -hmm. maybe doubts, wrestling with their faith, issues of deconstruction can I trust the Bible? Is Christianity true? If it's true, is it good? All of these are questions that are okay and welcome and wanted, but I think that, Um, people didn't see it coming as far as these questions. And so Mm -hmm. I love that you wrestled with that. Yeah. Uh, There's value in the struggle. There's value Mm -hmm. in the wrestling and uh, God's hand is also clearly on your work, your life. And along the way, you've taken steps of faith, you've switched jobs. Mm -hmm. And I just want to acknowledge too, that I think that one of not The reason, but I think one of the reasons where God is really blessing and honoring you Mm. is because you're honestly embracing some struggles, some challenges, Mm. being transparent and vulnerable and authentic about challenges you face in in the faith and also doubts you've had. And and people are resonating with that message. Can you, can you maybe even share for the young dreamer, for the young entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. what did it look like getting this launched? And then it might've been more your five to nine, your side hustle for a season. What was it like then launching into Mm -hmm. the nine to five?
2: Yeah. Yeah, man. I think that's a great question. Um, so my whole life I've had a pretty unhealthy work ethic where I work way too much. And it's funny because everything that I was chasing in the past, when I was spending 14 hours a day, seven days a week working towards it, if it wasn't rooted in the word or rooted in impacting the kingdom in some way, it always flopped. And it never made sense to me. And I'd be like, yo, I'm literally working 12 to 16 hours a day, seven days a week. I am i didn't take a day off for six years and things just fe- kept falling apart. And I was like, how is this even possible? And so then I hit a spot where I was like, you know what? I need to take my purpose and actually turn that into a product. And that's um, what we did with the Bible study. So uh, developing that, uh, doing all of the art for it and then building a team and getting that launched. Once I was able to do that, that's when things, uh, create that product. That's when everything changed for me because then I was actually impacting people's lives and impacting the kingdom. And that's when God breathed on it very clearly because there's no reason we should be doing the numbers or the success that we're we're doing right now if it wasn't for God's hand on it. And that's a super exciting thing for me. Um, and it also is like like I have no idea what what's to come. Um, when we were first starting out, I didn't, I had a full-time job for um, two years where I was paying 17 other people to run the Bible study and the brand Sunday before I paid myself a dollar. And I think a lot of younger people, we see all these others on social media that are crushing it at such a young age. They're 24 and they're a millionaire. They're 18 and they're a crypto millionaire. (laughs) Like, Like we see that and we're blown away but in reality, that's not like real life at all. Like you actually do need to work towards things. And it's totally normal to have a full-time job and to have a side hustle for years. But so often we're like, Oh, I made a hundred grand on my side hustle. I'm going to buy a Ferrari, which is like, so whack. What if you spent that money and, and, developed it and put it back into the company. Then in five years, then in 10 years, you're actually making something that's, that's incredible. And I think, I think, uh, social media plays a big part in that. But if you look at the business world, I think what the average age for like millionaires to make their first million is like 35 or, or even later. And so we get so caught up in needing to get things done early, but We have all the time in the world. I think your twenties are for a time when you should be out trying new things and searching and figuring it out. And like, you're going to be awful at a lot of stuff, but you might be really good at a few things. And so double down on those few things and don't worry about things that you're bad at hire out people for the things that you're bad at. I'm terrible at a lot of things. So I hire out in those areas. And that's really how we've been able to build our company is, is if, 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 I know somebody, or I, if there's a position that I know uh, needs to be filled and somebody else is better than me at it, 100%, I'm going to hire them and bring them on the team because it's all a long-term play. When we're in our teens, twenties, thirties, we think that we need to retire by the time we're 30, but yo, you have so much time. I I'm 34 right now. And I feel like I'm just beginning. And so My goal when I was in college was to, um, to run my own business and be a millionaire by the time I was 26. But in reality, when I was 26, I was at a breaking point. Everything in my life was falling apart. I just lost my job, just got out of a relationship. I had no purpose. And so like And that's okay. That's what we learn from. We go through these failures. We go through these situations in life that may be awful in the moment, but if you, it, it all depends your perspective on them and, and what you turn that into. And yeah, some things in life are going to be pretty bad, but if you take that and you turn that into something good, then you're going to always be set up for success that is a word, right? <laughs> or the young
1: leader, the young mm-hmm. entrepreneur, the young pastor or ministry leader, somebody who is where you were maybe at age 26. And now looking back on the other side of 30, 34 saying, man, so I would just say, pause, rewind, and listen to that part again, because <laughs> That was some serious insight. That's a gift to the listeners Zach, and a gift to us. And mm-hmm. I'll just comment, by the way, something that I totally need to say, and it's an interruption taking us off, off track. I know this is an older version, yeah. but this thing is, <laughs> it is so creative, so aesthetically pleasing, so beautiful. And I know that there's a Thank youth you. edition and all mm-hmm. other kinds of stuff, but again, yes. um, I, I think that just the visually mm-hmm. illustrating some of the the stories, you know, I think it's Mark Batterson that said that maybe even movie screens mm. are like the modern day stained glass and- you know, That's, I, I like that. That's really good. And and there's yeah. an element to the Bible study that it it is words on a page. And it's also some of these pictures that can be worth a thousand words. Right.
2: And uh, I know Micah had somewhere she wanted to take the conversation, but I just had to. Yeah. Drop a few Thank you. <laughs> that means so much, man. Really appreciate that. That's a, that's a big thing. I think people get bored from just words on a page and, mm-hmm. and they get embarrassed by it. And we, we're like, no, we want something that you can put on your coffee table. That's going to also be a question, um, a conversation starter when you aren't diving into it. And we've heard story after story about that, which is so inspiring to us. It's like, oh yeah, this was sitting on my coffee table and my, my aunt who has never asked me about my faith saw it on Thanksgiving and And now she like came to church with me. Like things like that is just insane to me because it's so much bigger than I could ever imagine.
0: What draws the eye into the, for the creative. So if you're a creative and you're looking at the photography or the graphics or just anything, it draws just the eye in, in just such a fun way. And our daughter has a a book that we had lying around that was Bible-based and it was for children and she's looking into it. And so even just it piques a curiosity. Of the person totally. who see like a leather bound Bible sitting in the you know sitting on the counter that's never been touched it's like oh wow right. I put my hands to this and you know so it's super fun to to see and to hear that you created a team around you in the process of yeah. you recognizing. Mm-hmm. I am one person and I cannot do anything and I say one thing that is I think rare in this day and age is for people to verbally express the fact that they're one person and they have weaknesses, (laughs) and they need help, and their insecurities are not going to drive the product, um, you know, into the ground in a negative way, they're going to allow the insecurities and um, call them out and then call other people up in the process where we fall mm-hmm. short uh, with whatever, whether it's graphics or you know, visual designs or just the marketing side and getting the word out there. And I know that we are leading a generation and there's a lot of insecurities. and we know yeah. that sometimes when answers to questions are not, being provided, it can even breed bigger insecurities in who am I? What's my purpose? Why am I on this earth? And I love that you went there. You said my purpose, I turned, I wanted to turn my purpose into a product Mm. and this is my wording now, but I think what you are alluding to is the fact that you were turning, you wanted to turn your purpose into a product with God for his kingdom, recognizing that apart from him, none of us can do anything. And when we put our hands to something and the plow and we let him be the one, you know, taking us through that field, digging up, you know, our insecurities, digging up our creative, um, juices and just who we are in Christ. I think it's super fun. And we, we work with a lot of young adults and a lot of our listeners do as well. And they're being asked very challenging questions on any and all topics are kind of just relevant these days. Right. So I would just be curious, Zach, what are you seeing from your vantage point with, um, DMs conversations about faith for the next generation, even specifically when it comes to the biblical literacy side of things, like what are you seeing any common threads or themes as people reach out to you?
2: Yeah. I think the biggest thing is that people need to understand the basics. Once they, once they raise their hand and they've accepted Jesus into their heart, we, what we throw them a a Bible at them and say like, read John okay, but what, what does this mean? What are the, like, you need to have a foundation that you're building upon. And so I get so many people that are in my DMS or or asking questions that just want to know truth and don't want to, don't want to know, like I was saying before, just the Christian response to things. I think we've gotten so comfortable with that, where it's so easy to, to respond to, to questions with like, Oh, because that's what the Bible says. But no, like actually, like let's be logical and let's think through these and have a real response for people. Like, why is sacrifice important? Why is baptism important? Like, what are these things? Why did Jesus have to die? Why is there sin? Like, we need to, as leaders, to have answers to the basic questions, so that we don't look stupid when when kids come to us asking like things that are like, oh because I heard that in Sunday school once, like, you know, we have, we have so many leaders that are going through, through university, going through seminary, and they don't know the answers to these basic, simple questions. And because they just aren't thought of, because we care more about, about teaching super heady things than, than foundational. And so when it comes to right now, I think the biggest thing is, man, as leaders, we need to have solid responses to basic questions that a new believer is going to ask in a modern day term that doesn't have a Bible verse attached to it. Like, yes, I think we need Bible verses to back it up, but we can't, we can't convince somebody with a verse if they don't believe the verse is authoritative in the first place. And so, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I think at least. That's good. Zach, that is really
1: good. And my head is spinning on a few of those things. One one of the people that I think has done a really masterful job in a congregational church setting, Mm. preaching to a a large audience of young adults over the decades and has since retired, is Timothy Keller. Mm. Oh, yeah. I know one of the things that he would try to do in every sermon and he would place yeah. it, he would mix it up, mm-hmm. but he would get asked the same questions repeatedly. And I yeah. think it was anytime he heard the same question more than a few times, he yep. would almost like script it out of the yeah. answer not so much tra- chapter or verse, mm-hmm. but then he would totally. take one hard question yeah, it was common. That was being asked, and he would flesh out a response that wasn't the end yep. all, be all answer, but for it sure. wasn't. It was a step, and it was a yeah. start. And his book, "The Reason for God," is masterful. Oh yeah, it also makes me think, Zach, of Andy Stanley and uh, a yeah. controversial statement he made a few years back of why the Bible says so is no longer good enough for younger Mm. generations. And I know that another Mm. brilliant theologian in mind, Dr. John Piper, he kind of wrote a rebuttal to that and both sides are valid. I think what's important that Andy does is Mm. he is preaching to unchurched people. He's, I was listening to him on the treadmill this morning doing an interval workout. And he was saying that if you recently walked from the faith, if you're yep. reaching for the door and thinking about walking for the faith and he, in his language, he is preaching to the unchurched, So he doesn't carry in these assumptions. He's not yeah. saying the Bible says mm-hmm. he's saying James, the half brother yep. of Jesus said, mm-hmm. or yeah, Peter, I love that. Right. Mm-hmm. Peter, who is actually crucified upside down for his faith. Paul, yeah. Who is, you know, and he he approaches wow. it that way, communicating the same information, but in a yep. digestible, palatable way. And it leads me Ooh. to an off script question, but yes. you've come up with some art and I love this. I think of this actually often, Zach, is at least one of the sketches was the Bible is good for you.
2: Yes, and, let's uh, go. Talk to <laughs> us about that. Why is
1: the Bible good for you?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that's funny. Um, so yeah, we own the phrase, the Bible is good for you actually, which is like really wild, like it's trademarked and everything. So we put that now on all of our products. Um, but I was doing um, some art around that as well. But I think, I think if you want to understand your faith, you need to understand the Bible. You need to understand what it means to you and how it relates to your life and to have these answers that we're talking about. Um, so often in church, new believers, every single week they're getting, they're getting preached, uh, evangelical message, um, where they're giving their life to Jesus every single Sunday and they don't know any better because they aren't being taught anything else. And so understanding the basics and understanding the Bible is crucial for just living, a uh, a well-rounded, life that's advancing the kingdom in some way. And so when it comes to the Bible is good for you, uh, it's, that's it right there. Spot on.
1: And, uh, that, that encourages me that invigorates me. And here's where I'm at is I'm really processing, like, um, answering questions that a generation is actually asking and then being okay with, not knowing all the answers, being yeah. like on the journey of, I might not know, let's learn together. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that, that's huge, right? It's so important to know like the Bible is good mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. And since yeah. it was trademarked,
2: is it all right that I just said it? on air right there? <laughs> Of course, of <laughs> course, you can say it all week if you want, but no more than that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's so good. Well, I just have one question just talking about the importance of discipleship. Like you talked about knowing the word of God, going back to the basics and many individuals that were coming, um, you know, into relationship with, or we re, like reaching out to on college campuses, or if they're the listeners leading a young adult ministry, or maybe they're next gen pastors, not only taking them to the book of John and saying, "Read the book of John and tell me what you tell me what you learn." You know, how do we yeah. truly begin to disciple the next generation? Like, why do you believe that discipling the next generation and just efforts like young adult ministry are so vital in this day and age? Can you just like unpack? what you mean by just going back to the basics and like doing life with people and teaching them.
2: Totally. I mean, kind of, as you said, like we're going through this time right now where a lot of people are deconstructing their faith and figuring it out. And a lot of people are falling away, but I think it's also opening our eyes Um, in the church and in ministry to that, okay, some things need to change. And yes, some people are going to fall away and that's going to be like, that is really sad. But at the same time, it's allowing us to build for the next generation and the generation to follow. And so often we can focus on what we're doing, but yo, the people, the kids that we're mentoring right now, we're discipling. Think of think of if the people that they're going to disciple and how that's going to just create a ripple effect around the world. So we're talking generations of generations. We're talking leaving a legacy here, not not just making sure that I have four kids that raise their hand on Tuesday night. Like you're literally impacting the world around you so much and we can get so caught up in the numbers when in reality like these are people's lives and I deal with it all the time. Like we see hundreds of books go out of our warehouse every single day. And it's so easy to just focus on the numbers, but these are hundreds of people that have decided to spend more time in God's word and grow in their relationship with him. That's insane. Like even even if you have five people going to your youth group, that's incredible that those five people are showing up consistently and are interested as at that age. Like, how cool is that? What if we were actually able to take that time that we have with them? And instead of watching a five minute clip from a sermon or giving them a motivational moment, what if we actually gave them the tools that was going to impact their children? And then think of how that can ripple down from here. And so I think we need to have such a bigger perspective of the work that we're doing and know that like, this is changing the world. This isn't, this isn't about just building something cool. It's about it's actual people's salvation
1: that's remarkable and uh again i I shared just some of the thoughts that i'm processing and another one of them feel free to interject zach i love picking (laughs) your brain and just hearing your perspective i'm always curious um going back to something you said about many times people in Mm -hmm. church every sunday are hearing an evangelistic message um, and and that's amazing or they they hear themes of acceptance constantly reverberating and it is a message of acceptance and it is a message of salvation it is good news and my follow-up to that is what about the person who grew up in the church Hmm. their whole life and they want to go to the next level any thoughts on that
2: yeah i think that's my point exactly i think it's wild that we do that and granted the majority of churches do that so like um I, I guess I'm, I'm, uh, digging my own grave here by saying it, but like, it is, it is pretty wild that every single week you have, you have so many churches that are just, uh, just trying to get people in the door. But what about the people that are already in the door? I just lost a light. It just fell down. Um, <laughs> what about, <laughs> what about the people that are already in the door? Like they, there needs to be something set up where they can grow, uh, and, and actually bring their faith to the next level. Cause otherwise it's going to remain super shallow for the rest of their life. If they aren't spending extra time outside of church, digging in themselves. And a lot of people, a lot of people want to, or have the desire to, they just don't know where to go. So that's why it's so important in my opinion, to have an awesome discipleship ministry set up in every church and kind of an onboarding to let people know, okay, okay, this is what our church is about, but here is how you actually grow in your faith. And here's how we can help you and be consistent with that instead of just encouraging you every week. I couldn't agree more.
0: That's so good. I'm just thinking as you guys are just talking that working with young adults, and I would say this is probably true for anybody in the church who wants to be discipled or doesn't even realize they need to be discipled, Mm. is that young adults, they need to be challenged and they're yeah. willing to rise to the occasion when you do yeah. challenge them and challenging oh. them. Isn't like read your Bible 10 days in a row and you get a sticker. No, it's <laughs> saying Like, I want to do life with you. And I want to do it side by side. I want to yeah. speak into it. How can I pray for you? And we're going to pray right now. Not like, Hey, pray for your brother. And you pass ways and you're like, Oh, haven't talked to them in two months. Are they doing okay? It's like, if you truly right. want authenticity and discipleship to happen in or outside of the walls of the church, you need to do life with people. And yeah. Yeah. And, and young adults specifically need and love to be challenged. And they right. some of them, the, they respond differently. Some of them like to push back a little bit, but that's to let, I think what I've experienced, that's how they know that you care. If you continue to press conversation, you ask them for coffee. How's your life? What's going on? How are the holidays? How are your family dynamics? How is your test? Yep. You know, like, where do you want to be in five to 10 years? You're 24 right now. And you don't know how to financially, you know, be mindful of your spending habits. Like, just it's not yeah. even just the, only the word of God that they need to know, but it's like adulting life skills. We work with some individuals, and this happened a couple of years ago. Like, literally, didn't even know how to write out a check or write out an envelope. I have to mail something. Like, how do I do that? I'm like, what? You don't know? <laughs> okay, time out. Going back to me being five years old, fighting over who gets right. to put the envelope or who gets to put the stamp on. Like,
2: <laughs> <laughs> literally,
0: literally walking the big and small aspects of life in discipleship, I think is what I'm realizing more and more is they're raising themselves. And I would say if we don't raise the next generation, they will raise themselves and they'll do it. However, they have learned how to do it, you know, good, bad, totally. um, Or for the glory of God. So this is what I thought of, sorry.
2: (laughs) And I love that.
1: I think we're doing good on time here and one of the spots that I'm selfish in wanting to pick your brain is you are remarkably creative as I think all people are created in God's image to be creators alongside him and uh are you willing to off-script kind of let me and the listener and Mike get into your creative process like you sit yeah. down and write build with God or the Bible study or come up with some art or whatever resources next or whatever you're working on and you've got an afternoon of free time on your calendar, what are you doing in your creative process?
2: That's good. Man, that's really good. Um, I think a lot of it involves just being on top of what's going on in the world and what's cool and what's actually making uh, uh, an impact Impact outside of the Christian market. Um, I think a lot of th- things that happen creatively in the church are just a replica of what was cool three years ago in mainstream, uh, media. And so we aren't really on top of things in a modern way. And so I spend a lot of time um, consuming what's, what's popular right now. I think if we want to, um, be where the younger generation is, we need to, or if we want to impact the younger generation, we need to be where they are. And so right now, if like, as you were saying, if youth pastors aren't, um, reaching out, they're going to be growing and learning from TikTok. And that's what we know right now. And they're learning so much. Like the younger generation is, I think the smartest generation ever because they, they can pick up things so fast and they're so passionate when they want to be, but uh, it's difficult to get a lot of them to, um, actually be creative and, uh, chase after their passions. If it's, if it's boring. And so, uh, when it comes to me, I am, I'm, uh, consuming art. I'm consuming, uh, movies, music, uh, things that are things that are in my lane that I'm interested in. And I, I pull things together to make my own version of them. I think I'm just always looking around and always trying to, um, figure out how to twist things into my own personal style. And from there I create new things.
0: I love it. Zach, I love the fact that you are a consumer, but also a contributor.
1: Definitely Mm. a creator and contributor. And I know that you're
0: not like just regurgitating what you consume, but you said like, I'm making it my own. And you've invited God in on that process to reach the people who have been wrestling with questions or aspects of the Bible for (laughs) generations, you know, but you were willing to tackle that head on and, and do that in an awesome way. So I just have to say, thank you for doing what you're doing. Thank to be you. Aesthetically pleasing, but also sticking with the truth. Like the true yeah. word of God is still embedded in everything that you do. So I think mm. that's completely amazing.
1: Thank you. Thank you yes, so of much. Of course. Well, and Zach, this is the one of our favorite segments of the conversation where we take five minutes, we put it on the clock. Yep. And we're going to throw five questions at you. A okay. Rapid fire. Yep. And, let's do this. And we call it the five and five, five final thoughts and to, to launch, like for the person who feels maybe senses God's hand on their life or they want to launch something build something, create something, um, or be in the entrepreneurial lane. It said that this generation is the most entrepreneurial of all time. Yeah. You could turn your house into a business with Airbnb. Mm-hmm. You could yeah. turn your car into a business with Turo. Um, but what are your thoughts on starting launching with God and entrepreneurship?
2: Yeah, I think, I think uh, everybody has something in them. Um, I think you need to look at a bunch of different things. You need to look at your talents. Uh, you need to look at how God created you. You need to look at your experiences. You need to look at what your spiritual gifts are and things that you're passionate about. And from there, I think uh, I love to um, do the shotgun approach. So I'll take a a whiteboard and I will just write down everything that I can possibly think of in all those lanes and see if there's any thread between them and uh, take out things that are a little obscure and uh, figure out uh, what makes me, me, and uh, what's actually going to help people all around the world. And, And with entrepreneurship, I think it's so important to, no matter what we're doing, Doing, whether it is an Airbnb or, uh, if it's a coffee shop, there are ways that we can turn it into, um, impacting the kingdom. Yes. Uh, a lot of, a lot of young believers think that in order to be a Christian, uh, in business, you have to work as a pastor, but that's just not true. You can own a coffee right. shop that takes care of your employees and make sure that the beans are fair traded and you give a uh, part of the proceeds away, whatever it is, you can yes. always find a way uh, to, to impact the world in a positive way.
0: Okay. Here is question one, bullet point two, because I'm curious about this. When you get to your marker board, how do you identify the time wasters? Like, do you just eliminate them from your life? Or like, you're like, this is not the vision. This is not the mission. Like, how do yeah. you not just administer, but just like life for the person who feels overwhelmed, that needs to breathe. Like, how do yeah. we eliminate the time wasters when we find ourselves on mission for the wrong thing?
2: Hmm. I think uh, I think there's a I think everybody has a lot of great ideas. Um, which is amazing, but a lot of those great ideas can also get in the way from what the, what the main thing is. And so I think it involves a lot of prayer and it also involves figuring out what if you can turn one idea into uh, multiple areas, if you can branch it out into uh, multiple things. So if I'm working on a book, uh, it might be a great book, could be, uh, could impact a lot of lives, but if I can't turn that into, um, clothing and a class and podcasts and when, whatever, um, I'm probably not going to do it because I, I think from a full brand perspective, more so than an individual product perspective.
0: That's great. Sheesh. That oh that my question. gosh. So fun. <laughs>
1: so fun to learn. Great. Question. <laughs> uh, Zach, this is a fun one. What is your dream? Question number three, what is your dream in a sentence?
2: My dream in a sentence is to help people see the good in life
0: great all right here's question number four would you oh come on question four
1: question three ask ask one question
0: oh you're tricking me he's he's taking notes and writing them and just rerouting me but here's a fun one if you could ask myself and josiah one question today what would you ask us it could be a question we both answer or it could be two different questions one for me and one for him whatever you want non-ministry ministry fun whatever
2: Okay. As uh, new parents, um, what has been the best thing? Um, what, what is the best piece of advice you would give to somebody that's l- looking to have a kid in the next five years?
0: Oh, that's good. That's good.
2: You want to go? Yeah, I'll go.
1: My experience the past two years going into the pandemic with zero kids. Now, I don't know if we're midway in a pandemic or whatever you want to say, but we're in early 2022 as this episode drops. And now we have two little girls. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say I had no clue how rewarding it would be. Like how amazing when Aurora, our daughter, gives me a big hug and says, dada, like that's amazingly rewarding. I had no idea how challenging it would be to wake up in the middle of the night or to, you know, to realize how selfish I am in the process. And I also had no idea how rewarding the whole process has become. But I would say my best piece of advice is if you're going from one to two, we were given this piece of advice and I forget who said it, but they said, bring a gift from yeah. your uh baby to the older daughter and and so we did that and like i love that yeah. otherwise it's like who is this stranger i've lived 18 <laughs> months of my life without anyone right. else i've had all the attention and now yes. have your mom and dad versus oh the baby got me something and it's mickey mouse <laughs> it's Minnie mouse yeah. this is incredible so
2: that was uh parenting oh my home my. One. <laughs> I love that. Okay. I got one more for you. Uh, when times get tough, Mm. um, how do you persevere? What is, what is the um, easiest way to, uh, to keep going?
0: I think there's several things, even I'll take the pandemic because it's so recent, but when going into the pandemic, we said, we are not going to walk out of this with nothing to show for it. Mm. So, and in that process, I look at Josiah, like three days in, I go, we need to have more fun. Like we need to laugh more. We need to have more date nights. We need to have more fun, like in our personal, like walk with the Lord, but personal yeah. like marriage family. walk yeah. and family dynamics. So I would just say, how do we persevere in tough times is obviously we're going to pray. But have more fun, like create space to have fun, to dream, to think about your future, to plan yeah. and invite God in on that process and just take one day at a time and, and just see what God does. Like, we're not going to sit idle just because that's the easy thing to do. We want to say, yeah. okay, Lord, we're going to put our hand to the plow and we want you to lead that. So what does that mean? What does that look like? And we're already on the winning team. So there's aspects of our life that we've already persevered. And I think yep. one thing that we I've kept in mind personally is... Um, I've been praying this for uh, probably seven or eight years when I moved to Minnesota, and it was specifically um, keeping a kingdom-minded um, thought process. Like everything that we sh- do should be kingdom-minded, and yeah. how do we put our energy towards that, and how do we allow God to to steer and direct that, even in the times of trial or transition or tribulation? And just I don't know, trying to maybe reroute ourselves when God's saying, no, else yep. still," but you know, have more. Yeah. It's definitely at the top of that list though.
2: <laughs> come on.
1: I'm I re- love that. I'm reminded of something that Karen Hagan, one of Micah's mentors, her husband, Scott, is the president at North Central University. What she says is that hard times come to pass, not to stay. And I mm-hmm. think full circle for a second, Zach, you at a young age experienced this um, thought process of gratitude yeah watching your watching god heal your mom from cancer and a remarkable journey for her and mm-hmm. for you and i think that eternal perspective shows us that we're created john and ecclesiastes both say that eternity is written on the heart of man and yeah. so we're you know then eternal beings in a temporarily earth form experience mm-hmm. as humans and mm-hmm. so I I think to have that perspective helps, helps ground Mm -hmm. us. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Question five of five, Zach. Okay. Come uh, on. If we were to hand you the microphone in a room that was filled with young leaders and you were able to give them one piece of advice or wisdom or encouragement, what would you share with them today?
2: Oh, I would say always keep the main thing, the main thing. So, uh, as I was saying earlier, don't, don't get focused on numbers. Um, if it's become a numbers game for you, uh, get a different job and do this as a hobby. Um, and keep the main thing, always the main thing.
1: I love it. That is an incredible challenge, a piece of advice mm-hmm. and encouragement to leave us on. And man, Zach, we just got to say, thank you so much for an amazing conversation today
2: yes thank you guys seriously this has been awesome i love y'all
0: well i'm glad that you had fun if you want to find out more about zach windall and the brand sunday and the bible study you can connect with us on our website at youngadults.today it'll be in the show notes so thank you so much for tuning in this is micah and josiah and we can't wait to hear from you soon Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Plug
2: me
1: in, I'm getting charged up right now, yeah.